Hello. Good morning. Please uh, take your Bibles out to, to page 891. And we're going to read John chapter 6, verses 22 to 59. You guys all ready? Okay. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went into Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you come from? Where did you come here? When Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave, your bread, gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, who, <clears throat> sorry, is he who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come in, come to me unless the Father who, has, who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
It is written in prophets that, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone who has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes from the heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If every, anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give to you for life of the world is my flesh. The Jews, they disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on the flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I will live. I live because of the Father who, <clears throat> sorry, who, so, who, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live, live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Praise be to God. I want to tell you what I'm going to assume during this sermon. I'm going to assume that everyone here likes free food. A free meal. Is there, is there anyone here who says, no, no, I want to pay for it always? If so, I want to be your friend. Jesus provided famously a free meal. When a huge group followed him into a desolate place where there was no restaurant. And out of a few small loaves and fish. He fed them. We call this the feeding of the 5,000. Last week I told you what happened right after that. This was a dangerous miracle. Having 5,000 men who might have some ideas for what Jesus should do with his power. And they said, time to go to Jerusalem and kick out the Romans. We're going to make you king. This was not the father's plan for Jesus. Not yet, at least. And so Jesus got out of there. He withdrew. And as Charles just read, some of those people find Jesus. They find Jesus. And this is what Jesus said to them. You found me. You were searching for me. And let me tell you why you were searching for me. Because your bellies were filled 
And now you want them to be filled again. I'm basically summarizing verse 26. Let me read 26 to you verbatim here. Jesus answered them. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs. But because you ate your fill. Of the loaves. Now. I'm going to spend most of my time on this paragraph here. There's so much to cover in what Charles read, and I wish I could cover it all. But this is remarkable. Jesus says, hey, I know why you're searching after me. It's because you were fed and you want it to happen again. It's like getting an MRI. The MRI can see inside you. Jesus is able to do a spiritual MRI, seeing inside of them. And what the motives of the heart were. Outwardly they look good. Searching after Jesus is a good thing. But their real reason. Was free food. And so Jesus points this out. And he says. In verse 26. You hear what I read. You did not seek or see signs. You just had these loaves, and it filled your bellies. Notice that. You didn't see the signs. I remember reading that thinking, wow, what a a thing to kind of charge them with. Seeing signs sounds hard. Doesn't it sound kind of mystical and subjective and interpreting signs? And Jesus is saying, you didn't see the signs. But it's actually a little bit simple, what he's saying. I want you to imagine, if you're a homeowner, your roof is in horrible shape, leaks all over the place, maybe you don't even know if it's safe to live under this roof anymore, someone shows up at your house with $15,000 and says, I heard you got a bad roof, buy a new one. And you didn't tell anyone about this, you were embarrassed. So what's your next thought? Your next thought is probably, is this money legit? But surely, one of your thoughts would be, who are you? What? Where'd you come from? How'd you know this? Who are you? And I hope the next day you wouldn't be plotting how to find this guy and get a free deck out of it too. This is the sign. You should have asked, who is this guy? That he can feed 5,000 people from a little bit of food? The natural, spiritual, rational question is, who is this guy? He's obviously from God to be able to do these things, but why is he here? Does he have a message for us? What? Speak, Lord, we're listening. And that's not quite what Jesus runs into here with these Folks wanting another free meal. So watch Jesus, the master communicator, in the next verse. Watch him transition. Watch him segue away from the food to things that are more important. Verse 27. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. 
Food will perish and you're going to get hungry again. I got something better. Eternal life. And, and you know what? Can't you see that the Father has set his seal on me, the Son of Man? That's the way he refers to himself. By the miracles, by the, their signs. Of, you see how he steers it back to himself. And how he can give more than just food. A great transition. Does it work? Jesus, the master communicator, now he's brought them back to the bigger, most important topic. Watch what they, see if you can figure out what they're doing the next, in, in these two verses. Verses 30 and 31. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, that is clever. They transition back to food. Oh, you want us to believe in you? So, you know, we kind of missed the first sign. How about another sign? What kind of sign? Okay, um, let's just just spitballing here. Um, Moses gave food in the wilderness. Remember that sign? So, what do you say? Pretty, pretty clever. Back to food. Almost manipulative. There's a blindness here. Jesus is talking about eternal life, eternal food, and they're back to just a meal for that day. Blindness. Now, I want to talk about one of my favorite movies, and it's going to sound like I'm criticizing it, but I'm not. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Near the end of that movie, Dr. Indiana Jones and his colleague, Dr. Brody, are concerned that government bureaucrats won't understand that the Ark of the Covenant needs to be researched. Researched. Now, let's review what happened in the movie the last time the Ark was researched. Somebody opened the ark, which is a good first step in research for an ark. When he opened the ark, angels came out, and then Dr. Jones heard Nazis screaming in terror and then melting and then exploding. And then somehow all their bodies disappeared. Now, what do you think that's a sign of? A sign that we need to research this thing some more. Or a sign that someone needs to get to church. Someone needs to deal with the God of Israel. Which the ark signified something about. There's something that should be unsatisfying about that. But what I like about the movie is. It's actually very profound. And what it's saying about these two very educated men. Is they were still about acquiring knowledge. And searching for relics. In that mode. Even though there was a sign. 
A miraculous sign. You ever wonder what you would do if a miraculous sign like that happened? It might not change your life as much as you think. Maybe. There's something similar to that story from the movie that to these guys, they're ruled by their stomach. Whether it's more sophisticated and you're ruled by academic knowledge or ruled by your stomach, it's something that can blind you to not seeing the signs. Not seeing the God who is there trying to teach, trying to reach out, trying to offer eternal life. And we are so earthbound sometimes and blind. Like an animal, ruled by our stomachs. Let's talk about animals here a moment. The name of my sermon here has three different categories of beings. I have animals, humans, and glorified humans. Animals and humans. What's the difference between animals and humans? Because obviously there's so much we have in common with them. Contemporary answers today and the biblical answer. I want to quickly review here. And there's some overlap maybe between the two. Contemporary answers. Humans have certain skills of reason, understanding ethical obligations, morals, and language. So if you Google answers, what's the difference between human and animal? This is the kind of stuff you might read. Reasoning. We can reason about complicated scenarios, nested reasoning, they call it, about things that could happen and then predict the outcome, things we can't see yet about the future, or maybe see things that are invisible. Science does this with experiments, yeah, but then they end up saying about things you cannot see with the naked eye, whether... Particles that are too small or laws. We can reason about things that are not directly in front of our face. And ethical obligations. We can understand obligations we have to each other. Ethical obligations. I mean, you could teach your dog to not bite the mailman, but you probably can't teach your dog to love thy mailman. And understand what that means. And then finally, language. Boy, do we have a facility for language and we have a desire to tell others our thoughts. Thoughts could be your emotions, your experience, or could be what you know. But when you get to the Bible, the Bible doesn't say all that. I'm not saying all that is wrong. Actually, I think a lot of that is probably right. But you know Genesis 1, that we are the ones made in the image of God. We are the ones made in the image of God, which tells you immediately that we are related to God. Like something in a mirror and its image, they're, they're tied together. We're in his image and likeness and we're, about, we're in relationship, we're in covenant, even we would say, with him. And all these things help us in that relationship, if you think about it, reason. And ethical obligations and language, all of those lift us up to be able to interact with God and understand Him. 
and what we're obligated to do and communicate with him and receive his communication language. And yet, if we forget this, we become more like the animals, ruled by our stomachs after a free meal. And not saying, Jesus, we realize this is a sign that you're someone special, sent by God. Does God have a message for us? What should we do? Who are you specifically? More like animals, whether sophisticatedly following knowledge or just following our stomach or following our pleasures. Here's the concern. Whenever we lose this about humanity, that we are made in God's image, we are pulled down to become more like an animal. When societies lose track of the, boy, the 20th century, think of the massive civilizations that lost track, denied that we're made in God's image, whether it's the Soviets, the Nazis, the Japanese, all of them didn't have a place for that. Maybe we're talking 80 million dead because of those ideologies. Pulled down to become like animals or for us to get closer to home. As with all our reasoning skills, all these things, these powers we have being made in the image of God, we're getting really good at figuring out ways to please our senses. Not just through food, but through, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, new drugs in, inject into our veins or, or things to feed our eyes to perpetually entertain us. And I'm caught up in that too. But we've used this for, for those things and it pulls us down into the temptation to pleasure. I heard a futurist talking. It's kind of a scary statement. Not a Christian. He's talking about the future where humans will be superfluous. We don't need humans anymore. Everything will be robots, AI, technology. And the question is, what are humans for in the future? And he said, we're working on that. But the answer we think is something like we got to keep them happy through drugs and video games. It's actually what he said. Scary thought. Again, more of an animal-like state. Whenever we talk about the image of God, whenever we think about interacting with someone like Jesus who's from God, it lifts us up. To use reason and language, not just as an animal, or not just plotting to get another meal cleverly, but to interact with God. And to be in relationship with him. They are not getting this. And now here I just want to read a few more verses to you. Where Jesus turns this to what this is known as the bread of life sermon. And so he's going to try to lift their eyes. Even though they're focused on just a meal. Filling their bellies. Lift their eyes to heaven. To glory. So let me read to you. From chapter 6, and I want to read to you um, verses 35 and a few of them after that. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I have said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. 
For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none, nothing of all that he has given to me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the gospel, the good news in terms of glory, even though the word glory is not used here. Let me go to the next slide here. Uh, Glorified humans he's going to. Actually, glory is spoken of in what I just read in two ways. Glory to lift us up, not merely animals brought down by unbelief, brought down by following our stomachs, our pleasures. But he says, listen, glory number one, I came down from heaven. I came down from the place of glory, the place of perfection, of purity, of life, of angels. I came down from glory. Why? And in what I read twice, and in what Charles read at least five times, he mentions it's to give us glory. He says to raise us up on the last day. Resurrection. Eternal life. I came down from glory to raise you up into eternal life one day. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 15, we are raised in glory. Not just as mere humans, but elevated even more. Into this glorious state of perfection, of purity, of life forever, of communion with God and with each other. I have come down from glory to raise us in glory. The gospel said, the good news said in terms of glory. And how warm is it that Jesus says as I just read to you, all who come to me, I will by no means cast out. Not everyone believes. But Jesus gives the warm invitation. Because he came to raise us up in glory in the last day. Let me tie this together to end. And with an application. Whenever I try to give an application, I want to get it from this very passage. What does Jesus say? Is how to apply this. I mean, does he tell us to do anything? Or believe anything in this passage? How does he direct us? And it's verse 29 that I want you to see. It's such a simple and yet profound Application. This is the work of God. That you believe in him. Whom he has sent. This is the work of God. Or as some translations say. This is the work God requires. Well what is it? What does the work God require of us? That you believe. 
in him whom he has sent. Don't you love something so simple as that? Other times God tells us to do other things. But this is really what it all boils down to. To believe. Not believe in yourself. There might be a place for that in in some smaller areas of life. But we're talking about the big things here. About life and death. Forgiveness. Living eternally. Being reconciled to God and to others. And he says, this is what God requires. To believe. Have faith. In him who he has sent. Don't be an animal. Pulled down to just concerns of the next meal. Or maybe more sophisticated concerns, but still. Be lifted up knowing that you are made in the image of God. To relate to him, to be in relationship with him. And then not just be human, more fully human knowing that. But the one day be glorified. I will raise you up on the last day, the Lord Jesus says. It's the simplest application. It's the most profound one. Is believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we go to prayer here. So I pray that each of us would know and do. If you come to Jesus, by no means will he cast you out but raise you up into glory on that last day. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, we ask that you would give us faith to believe these things. Call us to yourself. Call us to the Lord Jesus that we might believe that we are more than a stomach to be filled, more than even a brain to be filled with knowledge, Lord. You've called us to be in relationship with you. And you're offering eternal life. Would you, would you give us hearts to believe that, Lord? We pray. Encourage us in these beliefs. Oh, Lord, thank you that you came down from glory. That we might share in your glory. Oh, Lord, what, what great news. Now open our mouths to worship once again. Our hearts to worship. Uh, we want to give you the glory. For all these things. Amen.